Hello everyone, I'm Dana Stewart Bullock and this is Transformational Therapeutics. In today's podcast, Rebecca and I will be discussing Psyche. I will start with the definition of Psyche and expand from there. My focus will be on how I see Psyche as the equivalent of the unconscious, and we will talk about the actual ways the psyche slash unconscious is manifested in our physiology. Because this is a complex subject, this will be the first of two episodes on psyche. So welcome. Hi, Dana. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm really intrigued by the topic of this episode, psyche. Can you give us a definition? Yes. Uh, The word psyche comes originally from the Greek word for breath, life, or soul. In this episode, I'm going to tie it in with the word conscious or unconscious, because the two, to me, are joined. And the word conscious comes from the Latin for knowing within oneself or within others. So it's about knowing being conscious or aware, I'm going to use conscious and aware interchangeably. Unconscious means unaware. And so the psyche is an aspect of us that we are oftentimes not aware. It's in our unconscious and it drives us and we're not aware of that. And so becoming more aware of the aspects of our psyche can have a real healing effect on us. Okay, so you're saying that psyche is the unconscious, the part of ourselves that we are unaware of? Yes, for this for this episode, yes, this is how I see it. Mm. And the definition includes breath, life, and... Mind. And mind. Or soul. Soul. Wow, that's powerful. So how does transformational therapeutics come into play? So I I also, I interchangeably use the word unconscious and subconscious. So for the rest of this episode, either one of those is interchangeable because for me, they're out of our awareness. That's all that that means. And I am to quote Carl Jung, who was a psychologist, the psyche is distinctly more complicated and inaccessible than the body. So I'm going to tie it into the body. It is, so to speak, the half of the world which comes into existence only when we become conscious of it. So the psyche does not have a physical form. It exists, but it does not have a physical form. According to Jung, originally, mythology was used as a definition of the psyche before psychology came into existence as a science back in early 1900s. So it's sort of the evolution from mythology to the psyche. And how it applies in transformational therapeutics is that we learn language when we're very young, before our brain is fully developed, and we're not really conscious at that time of what sort of emotional baggage is attached to the language, or that would come from the people who teach us the language, our caregivers, our parents, or whatever. And so to me, a lot of language, we're not even conscious of how we're using it, how we define it, or we don't define it. And to me, that's a, an unconscious use of language. Mm-hmm. When you trace it back, you can often find out unconscious forces from the psyche that are behind the language and that drive the language that we use. As you were discussing about the language that we learn when we're young, and that there could be forces attached to that language that is then becomes a part of our psyche. And so, for example, if 
my parents were having an argument and then they and then I learned a word through the guise of that argument. Could I have a negative charge in my psyche with that definition without even realizing it? Absolutely. That's how it happens. Because back in that time, when you're young like that, all the learning that happens is called associative learning. And so you associate a, a situation or a language or whatever with a time and a situation. And you don't know that, that's the unconscious aspect that's in your psyche. And that will drive how you use a particular word if you learned it under those circumstances. Interesting. And so you mentioned the body. Are you suggesting that that force gets trapped inside of the body or how does the body come into play with the psyche? Well, you know, we talk about psychosomatic and psyche is what we've defined it as and soma is the body. And so the two are not really separated. So the body-mind is one system. And according to Candace Pert, who was a neuroscientist, she discovered the different ways that the physical form on a microscopic or cellular level manifested unconscious emotions. I've told the story in one of the other podcasts about, she in particular talked about people who have multiple personalities and you can have someone with a multiple personality with the physiology of an insulin-dependent diabetic in one personality and not in another. Hmm. That's the power of the psyche and the unconscious. That is wild. So this is big work that we have the possibility to do here through the lens of working with the psyche. And, And my goal here is just to change people's understanding just to open their eyes to other possibilities because it is huge it really is huge Mm. and candy pert talked about everything to her was the mind body there was no separation and i don't necessarily talk of it as the mind i think of it as the psyche and then there's a, a wonderful psychologist called donald kalshed he's also a jungian analyst one of his quotes is that symbolic process is what unifies body and mind And so in order to get to unconscious drives, oftentimes using symbolic language is an avenue, but also all language is an avenue because the language is learned so early. And if you stop and examine, if I were to ask you to tell me a word and then give me your own definition of it, do you define it the way you learned it from your parents or do you have your own definition or have you never thought of it? So we're using these tools, which are actually symbolic because all language is symbolic, and we don't know necessarily the meaning of them. And that is the whole point of transformational therapeutics, to understand the meaning of the actual language you're using so that you and the person with whom you're speaking are on the same page or in the same paradigm. Hmm. So if your definition of certain words is different from mine because we have such different upbringings, that influences how we relate and and influences things across the board. Absolutely. And so being unconscious of that is a real avenue for conflict or dysfunction in a relationship. I believe it influences everything. Sure, because if you think of it that way, you could literally be speaking English and then someone else could be speaking French and yet you both are thinking that you're speaking the same language, but really you're not. (laughs) Exactly. And then as soon as you become aware of it, then you can get a translator and then meet in the middle. Right. And you can talk to each other and just define it to each other and then come to a common definition so that as you move forward, you're on the same page. Hmm. You're in the same space. Yeah. So how do you go about 
doing this? You, you mentioned using s- symbolic language. Can you explain a little bit more about that? There are a couple of ways to do it. Number one for me is to see, I see all language as symbolic. It symbolizes something else. If I say apple, that symbolizes an actual apple. Sure. And so for me, all language is symbolic, but then there is a whole arena of symbolism. There are many books written on what different words mean symbolically. You can go that route within actual language in the English language, because that's all I speak. Within the actual words, there is etymology, which is the history of the word and its meaning. So when I say that psyche means breath, life, or soul, that was the original meaning of it. So if you and I were talking about psyche and we looked it up and then agreed that that's what it meant, we would have a different conversation than if you had one meaning that I didn't know about or I had one meaning that you didn't know about. And even before when we were talking about unconscious versus subconscious, those to me are pretty interchangeable because they're both beneath your awareness. But I wonder how many people actually define them when they use them. Well, it's you're describing a literal experience that I just had a few moments ago, and I'm sure some listeners had, that I came to this episode with a somewhat different, unexamined definition of psyche. And now that you put that into context, I have a new understanding of it, and now I'm already intrigued to see how I can apply it. How do you use symbolic? You said there's so many different ways you can look up, but how could you describe that more functionally? Yes. Yeah. So I I see, again, I see everything as language. And because I work with bodies, body language is my sort of forte. And if someone is saying something that doesn't match their posture or their expression on their face, that rings a bell for me. And I, I see the dichotomy and it makes me wonder how in touch they are with what they're actually saying. There's a great quote from Candy Perch. She says, a wolf bearing its fangs uses the same facial musculature as any human being does when angry or threatened. So that to me is a a symbolic body language that goes through the mammalian species. Hmm. Posture is across the board. You know, that particular quote is fascinating to me. So the the hardwiring in our physiology to me is a language. And if it does not jibe with what someone is saying, that to me speaks volumes. Hmm. I mean, we've all known people that... You know, oh, she's so sweet. And you know, underneath it, she's really not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that to me, I, I'm interested in the truth and in, um, in things being congruous. So when somebody speaks to me, for it to be congruous with what they're feeling is really important to me. Well, it's interesting because I can even think of conversations I might have had with a friend where they say that they're okay but you look in their eyes and you see that they're really not. And then you start asking them questions like, are you sure you're okay? And then there's, it's like the facade breaks for a moment and then you can see what's underneath. Is, is that kind of what you're talking Absolutely. about? Absolutely. And, and in our culture, we tend to put forth sort of a false self. And to me, particularly in this time of lunacy, that's the problem. Yeah. And I see that as being dishonest, emotionally dishonest. And the psyche is very tied up with the emotions. We had done a podcast on the emotions, so that's also connected. And if you look at the physiology and look at the way things are communicated throughout, through the nervous system, through the hormone system, through every system, there's a communication happening all the time. 
if one defines that communication just as information, when you described your friend, you were getting two different sets of information. One was what you thought was real, and then the other was what you thought was fake. Sometimes it's hard to make sense if you're getting two different signals. One, what your eyes are telling you, interestingly enough, and the other, what your ears are telling you. Yeah. Well, it's it's also interesting. I'm just thinking of with a, with a close friend, it might be more obvious. But maybe with people that you're not very close with, you might still be receiving those two dissonant messages, but maybe you just walk away from that experience feeling a little bit of dissonance and not really sure why. Exactly. And, and once you start on this path and start defining things for yourself, you start seeing wider and wider aspects of it in others and in yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and it can be difficult. It's, it's, like, it's like your friend, you know, somebody comes in and they look awful and you say, how are you? And they say, I'm fine. There's the disconnect. Yeah. That's what we do socially. But what does it do to us psychically to have to cover up our true feelings? And what does it do culturally? I don't know, but those are questions I ask. Since the psyche is unconscious, how could you start even noticing some of this dissonance within your own self? First, you can look at it in someone else like you did with a friend. I mean, you can, you can, you can look at the TV and, and know sure. with, with different people. You know, they're saying one thing, but they don't look, it doesn't coincide with what they look like. And so just starting to notice it. And then you can ask yourself, do I do that? Or ask, ask another person. I was in a class once and I thought I was just as zen as could be. And this girl who was my partner for some exercise we were doing, she like backed up and she said, you're, you're like piercing me with your eyes. And I had no idea that I was doing it. Hmm. So that was me being unconscious of that and her being able to tell me. And then I had to look at myself and say, oh, wow, I never saw that. Hmm. So it's really about being honest with each other as much as we can. Well, this is not a very honest culture, so it's going to take a lot of work. Well, it's also, I was just wondering, what, how, what are your thoughts on like projecting? Like, could I be projecting my own psyche on you? Well, I think people don't really understand what projection means. Mm. And a projection is always an unconscious process, always. So it means you're not conscious of it. What it means is that we see in someone else or something or a happening that brings a charge to us. And if something brings a charge in your interaction with someone, then that something is actually in you. And that's a way to watch and follow and know. So if I say to somebody or say about somebody, oh, she has such an attitude. That's got a charge to it. That means somewhere in me, I have an attitude. She's mirroring to me exactly what's in my unconscious. And so projection allows you, because of the, the charge it carries, allows you to, to flip it around and really get a better understanding of yourself. So that anything that has a charge, any circumstance, any person, that charge is unresolved in you. Mm-hmm. And that is projection. And that's a hard one to swallow, but it's, <laughs> it is what it is. That is a that is a gut punch. <laughs> but it's but it also sounds like it could be a very powerful doorway. Absolutely. And and projecting our inner world onto the outer one, we don't do it on purpose, but it's the way the psyche functions. It's just how it works. It's just a given. We're usually it happens all the time and we're usually not aware of it. 
and we can to come to know ourselves, we can become aware of it by the charge that it carries. It's that simple. It doesn't mean in the moment that you have to change anything. It's just the awareness. It's like, ooh, ooh, that's got a charge to it. She's got a charge. He's got a charge for me. What is it in that person that's in me that I, that I don't like or that I love, that I think they're fabulous? And I don't see that in myself. Maybe it's in there because that's another kind of charge. Oh, interesting. Ooh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, I've come to this definition just through experience that it's the charge that signals a projection. It's that simple. I use the term fall in love. I think somebody's phenomenal. They're this, they're that, and the other thing. Not seeing that aspect of me, but that's a charge. Or I see somebody who's uh, whom I can't stand and I want to get away from, and I think, hmm, that aspect of them is somewhere in me or I would be able to just be neutral around them. How interesting. That, that is projection. And also another thing that we do is we would call projecting our psyches into our bodies so that any symptom you have, any pain, ache is called a projection, but there is an actual physiology behind it. And so that every emotion that we have has what's called a peptide, which is a kind of protein has a protein associated with it and when we have an emotion that emotion is distributed throughout our entire body by those peptides hmm. and that's candy parts work so we could be experiencing projections in our entire body yes we would call it projection but that's where the term body mind comes because they there is no real projection it is happening everywhere at once ah uh. And, and that physiology has been proven. Wow. So studying your own aches and pains and injuries could be also a, another avenue to work on the under Absolutely. Psyche. Because what we do is we somaticize, psychosomatic, and we put in our bodies psychic stuff that we're not able to handle. Hmm. And so that's when true symbolic language can be used because you can do something if you have an ache or a pain somewhere, you can look up the symbolism of it and then ask yourself the question, what does this mean to me? Because every body area symbolizes some aspect literally of the psyche. And there, there are books written on it. You know, the spine is about uprightness. The heart is about love. And, and I mean, they're just in common use, but we don't really analyze them and realize how we can use them to grow ourselves. Sure. And I've said on other podcasts that, you know, pain is defined as an unpleasant emotional experience. So that right there tells you. Right. Right. So if you're experiencing a physical pain, that could be maybe however painful and sometimes excruciating that may be, that might be easier to handle than the emotion that's associated with it at that moment. Um, not might be, is. Is. <laughs> yes, is. <laughs> And there can gotcha. be an actual physiological cause for it, but that doesn't obviate the fact that there is a psychological piece to it. Yeah, this is an interesting thing that I've found difficult to explain to people. Can you explain that a little bit more? Like if someone says, well, what if I got a car accident and I broke bones in a car accident? Then that wouldn't be psychosomatic, would it? Or would it? Well, it depends on how you want to look at it. Um, you could, if you wanted to, I mean, this is all a choice. You could look at it as your psyche sort of setting up the car accident to teach you a lesson. That's one way people do it. 
Um, the other is that if you got in a car accident and you broke some bones, what's broken in your life? You could ask yourself that. Or you could also ask yourself, how do you deal with it psychologically? How are you dealing with the fact that your bones are broken or you got in a car accident? Any which one of those will give you, you'll learn. You'll learn about yourself. So why not? Right. Why not? Right. And also, I'm just thinking that in a car accident, if you do get bones broken, why those bones specifically? Why that day? Why? I'm just thinking about some previous episodes. Right. And for me, I'm always asking the why behind the why. So that's right. just how I like to do it. Not everybody does. That's fine. But it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that there's a psychological aspect to just about everything that we experience. Right. And then if you look at your body through that lens, there's so much learning to have. To, there's so much opportunity for healing if you choose to. Right. And and because this is a healing model, that's that's the route I took. Absolutely. And it makes so much sense. So I'm going to go back to Candy Purd and she talked about the peptides which are released with every emotion. She called them information molecules. And to me, that meant a lot because it's it has no charge to it. It's just information. In her model, information, well, in just about any model, if you really look at it, information transcends time and space. So it just is. Hmm, how so? Well, if you look at where in the information age, and if you look at just the computers and the information that gets sent around the world, hmm. It, it's just information. What what our psyche does is attach feelings to it. Hmm. But in and of itself, it's independent of time and space. It just is. And she talked about information does not change with time or space. So it just exists. And she called it the info realm. And so she applied it to the actual physical form and the peptides and the molecules that are released that communicate with different aspects of your body and brain, setting up feedback loops. That's just information. Our psyche is the aspect of us that attaches the meaning to it. So you're in a car accident, you break your bones, you have the choice to attach whatever meaning to that you want. You could be a victim, oh my God, I broke my bones. You could be, oh, wow, I'm a hero. I broke my bones and I'm healthy. You could be a scientist. Why did I break my bones in this point at this time? There are many different ways to look at it. Hmm. But the information is still the information. Yeah, your bones are broken. Right. And that is in the info realm and it's... Right. It's and that's cool. in the realm of your body because your body and mind know that your bones are broken. Right. The, whether the you believe it or go, not. Exactly. <laughs> Or whether you emotionally attached to it or not, it right. just is. <laughs> and, and I've talked in the past about treating and feeling in the tissues of the body. What I, I can now say is information and asking a client what that feeling is. And when they have identified it in what I would call a truth, the tissues actually change. So that's also a feedback loop. And that's a heal, an aspect of healing. Because for me, the whole point is we store emotions in our unconscious which is actually in our body that's where much of our unconscious resides mm. to bring up those emotions and release them gives us empowers us in a way that i see nothing else does because our body is our vehicle and if you're storing emotional stuff in your body which we all do it takes energy to store it there that you then don't have access to Right. So you're, it's like carrying around 
tons of bags that you're not even, you can't even see. You don't even know, but you're exhausted from it. And so then using the example that you said with, with your clients, that the tissues would change underneath your hands when they vocalized or the truth. So when they brought the unconscious into conscious, their tissues. And when they felt it, it's like you have to feel it because, because emotions are feeling states. Mm. So can you do that within your own body? It takes a lot of skill if you're able to go into a symptom and really start asking questions or sitting with it. And I once did a session, it's really funny. I once did a session with somebody and I said to her, it was very disturbing. And I said, I feel like I just want to crawl out of my skin. She said, so do it. I was like, what? <laughs> she said, do it, see what happens. Just let it go. And so I sat there and it was so uncomfortable. And I felt myself sort of crawling out of my skin and then eventually it just dissipated and I felt totally fine. Wow. So I was holding that feeling of crawling out of my skin suppressed somewhere in my physiology, never given myself permission to just feel it. Gosh, mm. that was a novel idea. Right. Because, you know, you say, I'm crawling out of my skin. I want to just crawl out of my skin and then you move on to the next thing because you don't want to feel it. But it's actually something that has happened in the past that I didn't process. And so now I get the opportunity to process it mm -hmm. and let it go. I love that example because that phrase is one that it, you didn't literally crawl out of your skin, but what you did was allow yourself to feel whatever it was that was coming up. So I love that just because I think that can be so useful for myself and for other listeners that if you notice yourself saying a, a phrase like that, like, hmm, what if you just let yourself do it, even if it doesn't make logical sense? That's really And empowering. that's a way to access your unconscious hmm. or your psyche. Yeah, I mean, to watch your language. And in our culture, it's not considered okay to just go crawl out of your skin somewhere. So we, we suppress it again. But if you listen to your own language, that can take you to a place of releasing something that you didn't even know was in there. It was unconscious, but was in your psyche. And so that's the connection with language for me. What would you suggest starting with using this information to start to apply? I, I would first start with equating the unsubconscious, the unconscious or subconscious with the psyche, just understanding. And the psyche is an aspect of us. We all have it. It's not in physical form. It has huge amounts of influence and it is the unconscious and, and it is what's known as our unconscious drives. And just acknowledging that is a start. And then to know that there is no separation between the psyche and the mind body. It's all one system. So everything that happens in your feeling state, in your psyche, manifests in your physical form also. That's a fact. And it is simply information. Just knowing this is information and then looking at whatever might be hidden there is, is information. It may have a charge associated with it. But the whole point is to neutralize that charge by becoming aware of what it is that is driving us. You can watch the language you use. You can watch the dichotomy between what you look like and what you say or what someone else looks like and what they say. You can look at posture as opposed to verbiage. It's just really becoming aware that all of these things are happening 
we can use that as an entree into understanding ourselves better, particularly when we get into trouble in relationships. And really looking at ourselves or asking someone else, you know, how do you see me? And very cool. So this is this is juicy information. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, take a moment to share it and share it with a friend, send a text, send an email, send the link. And also just as a, as a reminder, if you haven't rated or reviewed this show yet, we would love and appreciate that so much. It helps grow the show and keep us going. I hope you all have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you again soon.